Hello, this is our audio commentary track for Magnum Force. We will be using the US version of the movie. That is 2 hours, 2 minutes and 33 seconds. At the conclusion of this piece of music, you'll hear yours truly announcing a countdown. Enjoy! One, two, three. And the movie is rolling. We have the red mid-70s Trent Warner Brothers logo with the diagonal white lines. A Mel Paso company. And we have a handgun. It's very striking, the red background. Yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? It's funny that um, they they didn't they didn't really keep this up for the sequels, did they? Just having no <laughs> hand in the gun. <laughs> I always wondered if they'd ever thought about a James Bond a gun barrel type uniform <laughs> scene for all of the the Dirty Harry films. <laughs> what would his be, John? I don't know. Um, there'd be a hot dog, a hot dog or something. Like, <laughs> Do you guys think this is a stunt hand or is it actually Clint? Uh, it's probably a stunt, I would say. Does the barrel look long enough for you guys? It looks a bit... doesn't look as long as I remember it from the first movie. Well, I don't know my magnums too well. Just the ice cream. No, I noticed... Um, I looked up the... Uh, cinematographer Frank Stanley. I noticed he's done a lot of Clint Eastwood films. I think. Well, he 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 went separate ways. I think after the Iger sanction, they had a falling out to when one of the camera operators died or something. But yeah, for a few movies, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot and stuff, he was with Clint. Do you guys like this gun sequence? Does it? At least now, until it points at the audience, it might become a bit lame, but. Do you think it's good to get the famous line out of the way, like so we don't have to t- tease the audience whether it's going to pop up in the movie? <laughs> it's a bit. I don't know why they bothered, but it's yeah. I don't know. Is it? It kind of feels like do they just have it as, to force a connection to the first film? Yeah. And he butchers the line as well. Like, I understand why people always misquote it now because he goes, "Do you feel lucky?" <laughs> <laughs> it also foreshadows later in the movie with uh, with Charlie McCoy. His wife says he was playing Russian roulette with the, the revolver. Now here we are outside a co- the mayor's office or the courthouse. Just uh, back to the credits, John. I think the editor also did a number of Eastwood films. Um, Ferris Webster, Webster, yep. He's famous for The Great Escape and a few other things. And your favourite, The Gauntlet. <laughs> now the first movie was all about how you know to prosecute people the the bar is set too high but here it's sort of you get the feeling that the law maybe is even really corrupt like it's letting obvious criminals go go by letting them out technicalities ricker he said their minds are dead is that a weird comment trent their minds are dead. Is that an insult <laughs> back in the 70s? I don't know. 
This is the only real nod you get to the movie about in the first movie, inadmissible evidence. Lack of admissible evidence. Now, are we looking out for the cameo of... Um... Carl Weathers. Was it Carl Weathers, did you say? Famously, he is here somewhere. Just look out for the moustache. <laughs> Surely he had it at that point. Isn't it great to think he's now ingrained in the Star Wars universe forever? Oh, yeah. In the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise seeing him pop up. They got quite a big crowd to uh, film this mm. scene. We have a quote from the novelization here by one of the motor cops. It goes, The recent relaxation of criminal rights by the Supreme Court has created a condition in our nation where criminals can roam the streets without fear of punishment. This situation is very unhealthy, and I would be the sort of police officer who took this into consideration at all times. I think I spotted Carl Weathers. Did you see him? Oh, really? Yeah. I missed him. Shit. Just as uh, as as they were about to drive away, I think he was right behind the car. I wonder if Michael Douglas's character in the Star Chamber was one of those uh, those judges we don't see that had to let this Rika guy go. Because that's set in San Francisco as well, isn't it? I'm not sure. I think it Maybe could just not. be the East Coast. Yeah. And here we see a television turning off scene, which we see in pretty much all of the Dirty Harry movies. Interesting fact. <laughs> that really? um, protest scene then wasn't quite Zabriskie Point with Harrison Ford in a small role, was it? <laughs> <laughs> now we always have these. We always we always have these scenes where the TV is turning off when someone, the person in the room, just they can't believe what they're seeing. You know, Harry was accused of uh, tailing Scorpio in the first movie. The chief turns off the, the TV and... Oh, right. Here it turns off. Does this, it happen in the later films as well? Did it you... happens in Sudden Impact, yeah. I, I can't recall the other two, but it's a bit of a cliche in the Dirty Harry universe. So do you think this is uh, sort of a... Um, trying to, I guess, uh, make you think it's Clint Eastwood... Maybe, but that shot we just mm. saw of his hair, we know that's not that's not Harry's hair. Lovely lovely cinematography here, I think. This is the old Yeah, I was about to say it's a nice shot. Guy on the left looks like a Americanized version of Timothy Dalton. Oh yeah? <laughs> a more haggard <laughs> fuck, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to play this game alternative casting as we watch this film. Oh sweet, yes. There's, there's a lot of uh, people that look like other people. <laughs> now the main bad guy Rico is played by Richard Devon, who has 110 credits. He uh, was in a few Rawhide episodes actually, and his last credit I think was something called Ewoks. Now, that's like droids, Trent Ewoks, <laughs> the cartoon. Yeah, I don't know what Ewoks oh, right. is. Yeah, yeah, it's an animated series. Uh, Michael L. Davis, who plays the the bodyguard there, um, was in a movie called Mr. Rico straight after this movie. Not quite Rico. Uh, and he's also in The Enforcer and Bullet. 
And the actor that plays the lawyer's teeth are so bad, Tim. Have you noticed? <laughs> There's a lot of... Uh, uh, I, I noticed um, some somewhat nonsensical stuff that happens in this film, but um, I still enjoy it. But, yeah, this whole exchange, as I was re-watching it, this whole exchange seemed a bit uh, redundant given that he's about to blow them all away. You mean why is he checking their ID? <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it's maybe it's his first vigilante killing. Maybe he's nervous, you know, maybe. Or maybe Ricker yeah, isn't as famous. toying with them. Maybe he's toying with them. Yeah. If this is the first vigilante kill he, he's done, maybe he... I think they then sort of have a shot about now with a car. Yeah, so I don't know if there's an element of trying to um, pretend it's a a legit traffic stop. Now, this actor who plays Rika's driver, actor by the name of Russ Morrow, the one that's chewing the the bubblegum, it says in 1976 he was awarded 17,000 US dollars for the effects of his tinnitus um, from the, the firing of the blank in his face from Warner Brothers. Yes, I read that. Mm. In this scene, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Jesus. Great squib work there, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if he, it's pretty close to his face in that shot. That's incredible. Like, it's crazy that, yeah, it was that close. Now, there's no way we're even to think that this could be a demoted Harry, is there, Tim? Ah, uh, you wouldn't think so. His voice doesn't sound like Harry either, does it? Well, you find out soon enough. You find out soon enough in yeah. this sense. <laughs> Now, in the novelization, we learned that Harry has been, since the events of the first movie, he's been on stakeout for three months. And he's evidently got a new partner, hasn't he? They don't uh, reference how far past the first film this is, do they? Well, presumably three months. But they just say he's been on stakeout for three. Just taken off. Taken off uh, homicide or whatever he was on. We are soon about to be introduced to here we are, Hal Holbrook. And a lot of these scenes are out of focus. Have a look at them, guys. In the next shot, sort of when it pulls to him, it's sort of the focus pulling's a bit out. Yeah. I wonder how long Harry's known him for. Briggs. Immediately you get you get the sense that uh Briggs has a strong dislike for uh, Callahan. Mm-hmm. He's got that American flag in his lapel. When did that start? I thought that was a September 11th thing where everyone wanted to be super patriotic and they'd have the flag there. Why? Particularly because he's supposed to be like a liberal, isn't he? You know, someone that goes easy on the the criminals and doesn't care about patriotism. He's Harry's obstacle. I think Hal Holbrook's really good in this movie, Trent. Yeah, I do as well. I always think he, he's, um, no matter what he's in, he's always a good presence. 
Does Harry have any inkling that he's going to be a his antagonist in the movie, or he just he thinks Briggs is another one of his obstacles? You know, just bureaucratic fools. Well, I think the, he thinks he's just another obstacle. Surely. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it's sort of uh, obvious. So uh, this recasting, I would say that guy's um, should be recast as Wayne Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Harry's partner's got a very good fro. <laughs> uh, Felton Perry is in the Towering Inferno, Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat. Interestingly, an episode of Cagney and Lacey, where he gets to team up with the next movie's partner, Tyne Daly. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, of course, he plays one of the cops following our idiot friends. And he plays a character called Johnson, a Johnson in Robocop, which Trent has theories about the name Johnson in movies. <laughs> Played by no, Jackson. Americans. Jackson, oh, that's it. Jackson. He's in all three Robocops. Ooh. Shit. In the novelization, it says he it felt, and his partner says to him, "That's why they call you Dirty Harry, because he's the back of his car is full of all uh, burger wrappers and stuff." <laughs> See, this is another somewhat nonsensical thing, like going to the airport for a burger, which <laughs> I don't, <know. laughs> don't think, from what my knowledge of uh, San Francisco geography, the the airport's not close to. Town, so. <laughs> now, Tim, this cook was um, Craig Kelly, who plays uh, Sergeant Reinecke in the first Dirty Harry, the cop that has the, um, you know, near Charlie Russell in the suit there. So. The cop, did you say? Yeah, Sergeant Reinecke, one of the cops who says, here's right. the dead boy Charlie Russell. Not many movies to his credit. He's in that famous movie Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Always got me excited because of those night words, but <laughs> chili and garlic bread. He was talking about is that really that was like cutting edge back in the seventies, Trent. What's that? Chili and garlic bread. Today's special. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that yeah, is that the American chili or oh, chili con carne? Do you think yeah, they tried to right. get Jaffe back, Trent or Tim? Like, would you have liked to see Jaffe moved up in the world? Buying a franchise. At Branching out. Franchising. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they've established, um, they've established Harry likes hot dogs and burgers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this, uh, this plot point about stopping at the airport for burgers sort of becomes, uh, it becomes clear that it's, it's, it was done for a bit of an action sequence. Yeah, well, it's it's straight just re- either replacing the bank robbery of the first movie or the... Even that entrance, Tim, is sort of like Harry coming up to the, the pool in the first movie that the tablers are playing in the oh, sand. Yeah. With the, uh, yeah, the, the drums. Do you reckon Harry paid that guy for the burgers or do cops... Even back then, cops got burgers for free. <laughs> 
Such a pre nine eleven. Yeah. Another uh, alternate casting: Nicholas Cage as this yes. uh, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> One reviewer said the Skyjackers resemble folk singers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Check out the mo and the sideburns. In the novelization, it says Harry figured him for an Arab. He had shadows for eyes. <laughs> the decor in the plane, jeez. Yeah. It's fucking awful. I wonder if the, the first movie would have been like this if Scorpio had actually got his plane. <laughs> if maybe Harry would have been... Uh, oh, he couldn't disguise himself as a pilot. <laughs> Captain Callahan and his pilot of poor man's Leslie Nielsen's. <laughs> In the novelization, uh, it mentions the pilots are onto him not being a real pilot because he he puts his headphones on backwards. But um, I wonder if that if we're about to see that. Was it uh, intentional in the novel as well that he did that, or uh... no? It was just his ignorance. <laughs> right. Sovereign Airways. Wonder if they're still around. The other, uh, as you say, the sort of pre nine eleven thing about getting on the airplanes is uh, I remember always remembering the parallax view. I think there's a scene where he just runs onto the plane the, like two minutes before it leaves and uh, I think they sold tickets on the plane. Like you get on there like a bus and then you buy the ticket. <laughs> oh, here we go. So I've gone to a website called fictional-airlines.fandom.com. Sovereign Airways. Sovereign Airways is an airline seen in the movie Magnum Force. There's a minor airline in which some characters travel on but does not have a large role in the movie. The airline is a global airways, global airlines, and trans-Pacific Airways plane with minor library changes. There you go. It has an entry. Someone's sat down and written this shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's been used in about 15 other films. Mm. That's where I was hoping I was going with it, but it wasn't. Here's a there line. is a song. Oh, Sorry, you go. Here's a line about Harry's attitude to partners in the novelization. Oh, no, hang on. Why talk about that crap? We have one of the best lines in the movie. Callahan. <laughs> Great low angle shot there. Oh, sorry, he goes, a partner was more than some guy to keep you company. A partner was an extension of your brain and hands. It was deeper than marriage. But each one you have to start from scratch. Undo what the police academy had taught them about solving a murder case. <laughs> Never had a lesson. God, Eastwood can deliver a... He can deliver a funny line, I reckon. Do you think he should have done more comedy? Comedy. Yeah, he didn't need Yeah, he didn't need orangutans. He could have he could have done some comedy. Very tellingly, it's a new kind of Eastwood in this movie. He's uh he's funny, has more funny lines and he karate chops. He knows judo. He's a bit like um s- Sorry, Tim, you go. Oh, I was just going to say that that scene where he pops out uh, in the the pilot's uniform. I I could have imagined the audience back then having a good chuckle. Don't you reckon his <laughs> sit down sounded very Arnie? Sit down, sit down. And notice how he had a hijacker's gun, but it 
somehow had the magnum sound. <laughs> In the novelization, he uh, he takes one of the skyjackers takes a steward hostage, and uh, then he has to shoot the hijacker when he's got the stewardess, sort of like the kid at the quarry in the first movie. Hmm. He's He's thinking he shoots the bastard. That must be his policy. (laughs) After the airport, uh, Harry drops early off at home and it goes... Early turned around and watched the car disappearing. Then, instead of heading up to his apartment, he decided to run over to a supermarket across the street to buy a watermelon for dessert. Oh, boy. Charlie McCoy. Known to many as a bad guy in a Lethal Weapon movie, apparently. Really? Racist slur. Okay, a coon's age. He's a bad driver. Maybe he killed Harry's wife, Tim. <laughs> He's not even looking Harry in the eye. Bit disgruntled. Clearly mental problems, I would think. He's been on the the car. He's been a cop too long. Yeah, cops are victims, Tim. The uh, introduction of this character when I was re-watching it, I was trying to work out why, but I suppose it sets it sets up something later on, doesn't it? A, uh, not a McCoy, but a decoy? <laughs> a MacGuffin? <laughs> first film you never really got the sense that harry had friends in the force did you no maybe the chief and bressler before yeah (laughs) this is reminiscent of the uh tunnel scene (laughs) yeah (laughs) the first harry but you also uh um i think this is the first time you see him in some uh like casual yeah yeah civvies he seems surprised. We'll we find out now there's probably a gun range, I would think. But he seems surprised to hear gunshots at a gun range. I guess he... <laughs> <laughs> it's late at night. He thinks, oh, I've got it all to myself. He's dressed in the um, Steve McQueen uh, uh, sort of look with the um, Harrington jacket and beige pants. <laughs> Now, one of the blonde guys, that blonde guy, Trent, to quote Ricky Gervais, is either Starsky or Hutch, I can never remember, isn't he? <laughs> one or the other, who <laughs> fucking knows. And he, he, he bears an uncanny resemblance to a politician in Victoria called Michael Kroger, president of the, uh, of the Liberals. <laughs> he was in, um, I think he's Starsky, but he was in um, Salem's Lot. 
the, the mini The kind of left version. has a bit of an AFL look about him, don't you think? Like a 70s AFL <laughs> football player. I'm thinking about the guy right now on the sort of right that Harry's sort of walking to in the in the frame. Turn it's the around. one that's not Tim Matheson. Or Robert Ulrich. Who's that guy? On the right? Hmm. That's called a liver shot, or whatever's down there. Intestinal shot. Not the heart, it's the guts. Now, um, is that a Hollywood magic thing where you can hold the, the magnum with one hand and fire like that? <laughs> I reckon. When I was watching this with my wife, she came into the room. Well, she came into the room when I was watching it, and she just out of nowhere said, "Ah, oh, police academy." <laughs> <laughs> Some reviewers online have called this homo bonding. Described this uh, group of kids out of the academy as a form of uh, homo bonding, and describes Harry being. Giddy at their marksmanship. Quote, When I get back on homicide, I hope you boys come see me, Harry says, as flirtatious as Mae West. Come up and shoot me sometime. In the novelization, he has, um, he says, you know, he hasn't had time for target practice when he's on stakeout, and he hasn't used his gun in three months, so he's anxious to come here every midnight to uh, make sure he doesn't lose his skill. It's interesting that they make uh, uh, the villains uh, a group of four policemen rather than just, you know, a single identity. We have some Marshall-type music, some timpani, Trent, I think, in the background, if you were listening to it. Nice. Beautiful. Bay Area. How far out of the uh, central business di- district is that, you reckon? This is in the north, isn't it, Near, in the Marin County itself, I would think? Yeah, north of the bridge. Yeah. yeah. It looks like it, doesn't it? It's, um, it's, it's actually nice that they've continued to make it a very, like, San Francisco-centric and sort of showing the, the city and the surrounds. Like making use of the scenery. It's a big contrast to the first movie. It's mostly all in the day. Yeah, Ooh. true. Now we're about to see the cop load his machine gun. Sten gun, whatever it is. So it's like Harry. It's like Scorpio. Now, uh, is that Suzanne Summers in the blue bikini? One of them is. Yeah, yeah. I think so. In the novelization, it says that when he's preparing the gun, he gets a boner. 
<laughs> really? And in the novelization, it's like they're all sort of Italian type criminals, you know, like Goombas or <laughs> stocky guys with cigars, not these sexy people with abs. They do seem a lot more liberal with uh, just gratuitous nudity in this one, don't they? <laughs> well, I think there's less nudity but more violence. The, the first movie, I would say, had more gratuitous peep show stuff, but obviously the breasts are the big example here. <laughs> Hot Mary. Which one was Dirk Diggler? <laughs> so the implication is here, here they've actually killed presumably some innocent people too. In the, the trailer it goes, you know, it's J.C. Riley, big prop, you know, racketeer. But here he's just could have killed indiscriminately a lot of... Uh, I don't know if the implication is yeah, uh, naked, naked, naked women deserve to be punished <laughs> if you were really right on about your politics. How dare they give the cop a boner whilst he's trying to assassinate the... <laughs> Once again, another blonde uh, dies in a pool like the first movie. There's a very interesting line here Briggs is about to say. He said, there'll be no more bombs in pools. And spoiler alert, does this mean he thinks his, he thinks these protégés of his went too big, went too far, Tim? Or is he just... Uh, maybe, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I did think it was a weird line. It was a weird line to say. Um, yeah. Maybe he was... Sun baking next to a pool, and someone did a bomb in it, and you go wet. <laughs> Didn't want it to happen again. <laughs> now, John Milius hated this scene, uh, and ins- everyone's insisted that Clint wanted it. Um, exit polls in the first movie said they really want to see Harry have a bit of an internal love life. So here we'll even get to see him with the kids and teddy bear. As as we progress through this film, I. Actually, would probably agree. Like, I can see where John Milius was coming from because it just seems very forced compared, like, you know, very compared to the first film, it's just sort of suddenly thrust upon us with uh... (laughs) that. According to the novelization, sorry to interrupt this stuff, but uh, the dinner they had was potatoes. Au gratin, whatever that is. Au gratin. Cheesy potatoes, I believe. Ah, sounds very 70s. Harry with the teddy bear, who would have thought it? Harry of the first movie. See, does this... She doesn't appear again, does she, later on? She does when the, the corpse of her husband is being... Oh, right. Yes. Now, she mentions here Russian roulette. Um, Yeah. Obviously, uh, I mentioned before, like the intro of the movie, sort of a Russian roulette, do you feel lucky? Bit of a motif there. I don't know if that was intended. Now, this actor, Trent Carroll, sorry, Christine White, her last real movie, claimed to fame she was at one time a girlfriend of James Dean. Oh, really? I don't think I've ever looked at the IMDb for this film. Oh, he's so sick he shouldn't be allowed to carry a gun. That's exactly what they said about Harry in the first movie, 
Tim? Mmm, <laughs> lights are out. I can't place how old she's supposed to be. Is she supposed to be just middle age? I think so. I assume she'd be late, late 30s, 40s. early 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think... Um... Like I kind of thought of Chico's wife when I saw her Norma. appear on screen. Yeah. Jesus. Damn it. And do you think at this point, back in 1973, they were thinking, Harry must be gay? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why they inserted the movie. (laughs) Only to be disproved disproved wrong about half an hour later. Go back to Mount Davidson Cross to find Alice. (laughs) Here's a question. How does whoever's caught early... How does Early know Harry's at Charlie McCoy's wife's house? Does he tell them where he's going? She sort of reminds me in this movie, I don't know if you guys have seen Monty Python, The Holy Grail, when uh, Michael Palin's in that castle full of nurses and that (laughs) John Cleese rescues him. He's like, no, no, I wasn't being rescued. I'm happy here. And uh, they're like, damn, damn. That their hero is dragged away from them. I can hear the crickets. (laughs) (laughs) What's he eating? Hot dog. I just have to get a hot dog first. Bubble gum. Cost Plus. I'm sure it's no Trader's Joe. Or Costco. Somewhere near here we'll see Tobler Chocolate, whatever that is. Obviously it's not quite Toblerone, whatever Tobler Chocolate (laughs) is. Jeez, it's a... God, it's been so long since I've seen this film. I forgot about the plane hijacking... I forgot about this bit in the store. <laughs> I remembered Suzanne Summers in the swimming pool, though. I don't know why. <laughs> would an inspector like him really be involved in robberies? Like, he's back on stakeout at worst, at best, you know, homicide. They really. Would he really have to do these robbery attendances? They just need an action scene, John. That's a. <laughs> no, it. As I said, there's some nonsensical stuff that's happening. I just uh, did a Google on Cost Plus. Looks like it's still there in San Francisco. Yes, that's one of the locations I wanted to get to, but I couldn't quite find anything of a note nearby to take my wife there. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what these sort of shops in the 70s, before you had Chinese sort of $1 stores and reject shops, these import sort of stores. I guess this is what this store is. Uh, maybe, or or is it just 
like a su- independent supermarket. Maybe. It's just a drugstore, isn't it? I think they're selling a lot of pinatas. Look at that. It's like an <laughs> ethnic thing. Look, pinatas, toilet paper. A lot of. Che- What's California? There's a lot of cheap plates and vases. It was probably for, f- for filming purposes. It's probably well, very cheap the- to film in, isn't it? You don't have to worry about destroying anything <laughs> important. The uh, the current website says uh, they're uh, they have. All sorts of stuff, really. They have furniture, dining room, home office um, stuff. But they also seem to have food and drink, lighting, jewellery and clothing. It's a pretty intense scene, isn't it, Trent? Ooh, N-word. Damn it. John, do you think... uh, There's a sexual subtext to this. <laughs> well, that that, but also, uh, did Clint take that idea to uh, Golden Eye Shot to uh, in the line in the line of fire? Yes. He, um, <laughs> put your mouth on the gun, <laughs> and then he got John Malkovich to, <laughs> to do it. <laughs> in the making of the making of, they have a short behind the scenes shot of this and. Uh, from memory, Clint's really taking the initiative on camera shots and things over Eve and uh, Ted Post. I think I read, uh, did, he, did Ted Post say Clint was a bit of a overbearing? Yeah. On, uh, some of the direction. Pew, pew, pew. You could have fired there, man. Couldn't you have shot the gun? Pew, pew, pew. If we were doing this movie minute by minute, Trent... Yeah. I would have called this minute of these minutes clean up on aisle forty four. <laughs> if if Yeah, a lot of cheap stuff you could destroy here easily. Wouldn't trouble the the Warner Brothers accountants much. The, I assume this would have been on a set though, surely. There we are totally. Would have been on location? No, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's hard to tell. But yeah, I, um, you would think maybe back then it would be on, on on location. That was another nod to the first movie. Remember he goes, you know, go go check, the, help the lady or whatever he just said then, like help Charlie Russell's, uh, you do all the human interaction stuff, partner, and I'll just, uh, I'll leave. So where are they now? They've. Where do they have to report to? File a report or something? Presumably it's the same day. You were close, man. <laughs> Bit of a pop art look or something. Do you like the tie, Tim? Tight. <laughs> the tie. Oh, the tie, yes. Great fashion. I was uh, was going to say a bit earlier in the film, his fashion looked a bit more modern, but then he went back to that tie. <laughs> <laughs> really like the colours in this one. Yeah. Yeah, they do have some very striking um, 
colours, use of colours. Yeah, like from the word go, the red and then looking at that red car. That's right, yeah. Amazing. Everything in the first one, I mean, for all its beauty, is very washed out. Yeah, and with the night scenes as well, like dark. Oh, uh, another... <laughs> I was going to say, alternative casting, he's got this shifty look like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, mixed with a bit of <laughs> mixed with a bit of Jason Alexander. Um, his, his name is Bob McClurg, the actor, Bob McClurg. <laughs> And now this actress, her name is Margaret Avery, most famous for A Colour Purple. Um, And, you know, she was born in a town called Mangum. Mangum. (laughs) Not Magnum, Mangum. (laughs) Not Mandum. No. The Charles Bronson promoting um, Japanese (laughs) fragrance. Mm, Mandum. (laughs) So this is a scene to sort of show that um, not only are the high-end you know, mafiosos and high-end criminals are being targeted, but also we're soon to find out pimps and uh, criminals on the street that avoid. The scum on the street. <laughs> People said, well, it's a bit of a racist characterization of uh, of the pimp, played by Albert Popwell, we're about to see. Because he's the only one we actually see do bad deeds. You know, we just see people frolicking in a pool... We just see a guy who comes out of a courthouse, innocent, and later on we just see a overweight man doing drugs with um, young people. But here we actually see the bad guy do his very sordid deed. He's got a bit of a Danny Glover look to him, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Similar profile. and This was one scene that John Milius really objected to. He said it was a real just a real ugly, sordid sort of scene that we didn't need to see. And in his script, yeah, in his script it originally, in his script it just gets mentioned. Later on when his body is found, I think Avery is saying, and Harry goes, oh, he's the guy that killed his his whores with the train cleaner. It was just mentioned. But actually shown here, it's quite, yeah, pretty brutal. An exception to the rule that it's always better to show in movies than tell. Like if we actually saw the butcher knife and hard on scene, it would probably be pretty hard to to, yeah. to get behind. I did. Uh, I did laugh at his term snatch bank. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this was also used in Lethal Weapon, Drain Cleaner, or something. Once again, I've never seen any of them. The taxi driver does a runner. <laughs> From his own car. <laughs> Things yeah. are pretty bad. It's sort of like a throwback to the, the Chinaman, Tim, in A Few Dollars More. Like, ah! <laughs> you know, he runs off. <laughs> oh, brutal. And this was apparently done in real life, imitation, the drain cleaner murders or something. Yeah, pretty nasty. Albert Popper was in four of the five Dirty Harrys, Trent, and also other Seagull Eastwood films, Coogan's Bluff. You know, Milius might have had a point, because with the other criminals, you don't really see what they did, right? Yeah, that's right. And you have a prolonged introduction to all these victims that are later going to be killed. 
Oh, those are delicious shoes, though. Would you guys like to have seen maybe one less of the the bad guys scenes, or um, you can maybe get rid of the pool? That's, I don't know. It's okay. I, I the other thought that occurred to me is uh, I can't quite. Remember. How many murders are there? Four. Yeah. Is yeah, it I think one so. cop doing each? Because <laughs> mm. there's four of them. What was it with seventies cars? They've all got like square mirrors. Or squarish, rectangular. Also, he's got a very um, stereotypical uh, pimp mobile. The music, we, um, it's pretty brassy. It sounds to me a little cheap, a little, little bit TV soundtrack. Maybe Lay Low was dry. Dialing it in. The way this plays out, um, the murder of the pimp is a bit of a rehash of the first mur- uh, killing. Yes, that's right. Wonder if it's the same cop. We don't really know. Why is a pimp leaving the city? Like, is he got whores in the? Is he got gals in the countries? <laughs> More snatch banks. <laughs> <laughs> Right under the bridge. He's yep. going right under the bridge. You can ride your bikes there um, to Solzolito, which uh, I've done. Well, it was raining horribly when I was there. Go, you, do you go under that pathway, or like you go over the bridge and then you go under the under sort of like the highway near a little uh, nature reserve or kiosk, and then you yeah. In the novelization, it says, J.J. Wilson used his well-practiced white man's voice. Yes, sir, this is my car. Why does he have his gun in his crotch if he expects the bribe to work? (laughs) Oh, well, he's sort of reaching down there, isn't he? When we remade this as Magnum Force, we couldn't, um, we didn't have any hundred, let alone $50 bills, so we just had two $5 <laughs> notes. <laughs> <laughs> and he, the bad guy dials the, uh, the mayor, the bad guy, and says, I got the dirty fucking pimp. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to put the links to, on the, in the show notes. I will. That guy played the pimp. Fucking hell. Do you like his hands moving here? There's a lot of that. Now, if you look in the background, there's a tram going in the background and you'll see people waving at the camera in a few minutes. (laughs) Once again, I'm lucky enough to have been in this building. Um, They've moved the mailboxes around to where Sunny is now, like they're not where they were before. And, uh, yeah, it's just a regular sort of apartment. Did you uh, sneak in or... Uh, I did. did <laughs> I did. And I went upstairs, but um, I've, I was only... I said, to, well, I have to be out of here in five minutes because I felt really uh, I've wor- oh, worried. 
uh, did did you follow someone in the doorway? Exactly. Or, uh, someone had, left. Had, yeah. yeah. I went in as they left. Sort of. So thing. you loitered outside. Mm-hmm. It's just down the street from uh, his car park later on where he's confronted by the vigilantes. So we get here a, a telling glimpse of Harry's home life, the only movie in which we see his apartment, Trent. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And what does he what in... does he pull out of the fridge? A beer? A hot dog? A burger? I think it's a sandwich, actually. I'm sure he didn't make that. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> And a picture of his wife, yeah. In the novelisation, uh, his wife is called Bernice. And he just met her after graduating from the police academy. Um, their first date was at Fisherman's Wharf. Quote, Bernice had a svelte figure and liked a man in uniform. They made love and married the next day. They separated after six months and were divorced less than a year in. So I think this was another element that Milius didn't like, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, just unnecessary. <laughs> Does seem a bit silly again. Um... Here's another quote from the novelization: His apartment house resembled a motel and did not quite fit the one-time elegance of the neighbourhood. Harry, however, had not chosen to live there for aesthetics. Rather, he had picked the place for its location. It was less than 10 minutes from the police building. Also, the rent was cheap, and the apartment came furnished with a flimsy Danish modern chair. <laughs> there was dirty underwear strewn about everywhere, and detective magazines piling up in a dusty corner. Now we're at the ma- the mayor, uh, the morgue. With Briggs again. And someone who's not the chief or Bresler. That was a pretty funny transition when he goes, not anymore, Callahan," <laughs> And it's suddenly in the morgue. I don't know what that means. The cream in the bottle is like the best of the thing or the cream and the bottle. It's not a f- phrase I'm familiar with. That comes up a few times. Style. Harry's very suspicious of style. It's all substance to him. This is one of the best lines about to come up. Speaking of whale shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's very strange that they just don't mention mention Bressler at all. No. Yeah. It comes back in the next movie, nothing said. So this guy's below the chief but higher than Briggs. So you sort of think Briggs is almost like a Brester in this, but then this guy's yeah, below that's what the I chief. Yeah. Not long after this, if you watch how Holbrook and things later in the decade, like the fog and, and stuff, he looks a lot older. Uh, it's hard to believe him and Eastwood are only four years or so apart in age. <laughs> really? Holbrook's still alive. He'd be 93, 94 Yeah, now. I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Here's another TV movie guy. 
There's not a lot of them. We've just had the uh, first time Harry says a man... Second time. Man knows his limitations. Which to me that sounds too poetic for Harry. Oh, hello. This actress, was her name is Adele Yokishioka. She had roles with names, character names like Suzuki, Miss Hojo, Miss Japan, Mai Ling, Oriental Girl. When do her credits go back to? Not sure. Around this time, I think. Yeah. Tim, is this creepy or corny or funny or gross? It's a bit creepy. I think it's also weird that she she says she's never met him before, right? At, when she first meets him. Mm. But then just immediately sort of throws herself at him. Yeah, usually you both had a few more drinks before that happens. But, yeah. um, <laughs> in this case. <laughs> One of our previous guests said it's... um. It's funny that Harry gets to reap the benefits of the free love era just finished in the 60s while also being like a, a conserva- hey, conservative Republican. <laughs> that crossed my mind as well. <laughs> but isn't that true? With a lot of guys of that era who were very conservative, yeah. um, you know, suddenly they were all down it. for boning as many women as they wanted or and – uh, you know, whilst their hairstyle was still above the, the shoulders, still a bit longer, and the sideboards were, were grown out. We have again Walter, the uh, ballistics guy. He was also in Play Misty for Me, Breezy, High Plains Drifter, and he was later in a TV series called Harry O, or Harry Zero, which is quite funny. Oh, with David Jensen. Oh, from. Oh, okay, from Your Great Escape, Your uh, Fugitive. Fugitive. Oh, cool. Is it Harry O or Harry Zero? Harry O. Harry O. <laughs> and Farrah Fawcett was his neighbour in it. Uh, it was a pretty popular series. Delicious ketchup. They don't really play up the um, uh, dislike of... But like Harry's dislike of his partner in this, do they? The way they did in the first no. film. And that's a problem. This movie is so long and you have side quests like uh, Miss Suzuki. Sorry, the neighbour next door. You could have developed the... He's not really, an, he's not really a ca- real character in this movie, Eli, early. Yeah, that's right. He looks a bit like Jordan Peele. That would be my ultimate <laughs> casting. <laughs> You impressed with the photography in this movie, Trent? It's quite mm. pretty good. Colours were mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Colours look good. <laughs> I love how Holbrook's delivery. I want you on him, Callahan. <laughs> like he sounds he sounds like he's he hates a Callahan and he's bored at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> look at those tie knots. Wow. I think on YouTube, one of the tying uh, tutorials, that's called The Millionaire. Oh, really? That knot. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> watched every time I have to go to a wedding. <laughs> I love the I love the exit signs in America. They still have they're like sort of thinner than ours. Like look at the font. Oh, check it out. It sort of looks more cool. Our one's sort I've of never noticed. Oh, oh yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, sort yeah. of thinner. Point Henry, whatever it's called. Oh, no, no, sorry. That's the, uh, the other bridge. Bay, Bay Bridge? Bay Bridge, my apologies. Oakland Bridge. Oakland? Oh, I forgot the name. Palancio. So this sort of uh, dock setting always makes me think of Naked Gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You want to know a fun fact, Tim? Sure. In the in the novelization, uh, De Giorgio's name is Cell. De Giorgio, Cell, not Frank. Hmm. Pretty cool, huh? Sal suits him. Sal. Is 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 Briggs always going to pin the vigilante killings? Just. He'll like, you know, let's kill five people and then we'll blame it on this big hood. Let's kill five more people and blame it on... Is, he, is that his policy? <laughs> He's going to run out of people eventually. That's where I was saying there's a bit of uh, nonsensical things happening. Is uh, Harry's car the same as the first film? No idea. Did you work that out? No idea. Here's a quote from the novelization. Harry never tired of watching people. It was the only thing that kept him from climbing the walls during endless hours spent on stakeouts. There were some detectives who would be chewing their fingernails to the knuckles, but not Harry. He could not only take the strain, but he relished it. It was, to Harry, a living theater, a constantly changing parade. No two people were alike. No one's gesture was quite the same as another's. Fun fact, this is the second trip over San Francisco in the same movie. The third in the whole series. This is interesting in this movie. You've actually got the green light from Briggs to harass people. I like the first movie, you know. Here it's like, do what you want. You can get a warrant. You can arrest these criminals. That's fine. Well, that's sort of the theme of the film, isn't it? It's the opposite of the first film. <laughs> now, there's a bit of a plot thing here I don't understand, Tim. Like, what's nagging at Clint? He's about to provoke these guys, and they're not going to respond. Why does that suggest to him that they they are innocent of vigilant or killing other criminals? What's that got to do with it? 
Yeah, I didn't really. Would they be if they? Yeah, because they don't want to be provoked by him. Does that mean they're being really soft and like not making their presence known? They're not being provocative. I don't know. I didn't quite understand that. Because I was under the impression he doesn't. He doesn't even think they're involved, right? Like he. That's right. He said they're going to more likely to be a victim. You know, whoever's killing these people are more likely going to. These guys, yeah. Yeah, I kind of didn't get that line. I didn't really get that line. The takeaway is, oh, they haven't reacted, so they're innocent. They're not the bad, they're not the vigilante killers. I don't know why you'd make that link. White means anything. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) Asshole, son of a bitch. (laughs) John, do do you know where this, like, where in San Francisco this is? Not with any degree of accuracy. It's all above... It's all over the bridge, I would north think, of, isn't it? North, north over... The, yeah, that's what I assume. It looks like that area. Is it called Cape Tiburon or something like that? Which means shark in Spanish. There's the bay. Speaking of that, that's the bay we see. Shot reminiscent of uh, Dirty Harry a little bit, isn't it? It is. Not a helicopter shot, doesn't look like, does it? Here's our uh, buddy. Fatso. Dijor, he's probably using Scorp- Oh no, he's not using Scorpioscope. <laughs> now this actor, <laughs> this actor next to Linguini's name is Will Hutchins. Um, born 1930, a TV star mostly in westerns. Every western you can conceive of, except for Rawhide. Also born in 1930, starred with Clint in a small movie Lafayette Escadrille in the early 50s. So this could have been Clint. Resigned to playing bit parts. Well, I hope the cops all right, Trent. Mm. You hope so too. Damn right. Don't want any injuries on his watch. <laughs> I like that shot. The uh... oh, this uh, this sort of harks back to uh, the first mm. Harry as well, doesn't it? The uh, camera. Camera view. You owe to yourself to little, live a little. <laughs> what a gorgeous <laughs> shot! The only annoying thing about these vigilante, these scenes of the bad guys being killed is it's always got the same music. Like you know, something ominous is going to happen. I don't know if filmmakers <laughs> would always earmark things like that these days. <laughs> Do you think, uh, like the first film? I mean, obviously that's a. Shot in San Francisco. Do you think it was all shot in San Fran, including uh, interiors? I don't know. Shots like this we're seeing right now. I mean, that's definitely San Fran in the background. It's not like that's Chicago they've (laughs) manipulated. I would think so on location as much as they could. Interiors on location. Yeah, it seems to to pride itself on on being a a made-on-location series. Yeah. Although, I suppose this could be a set. This is just put yeah. a backdrop, like a poster in the background. <clears throat> Looks a bit like Alf Stewart, doesn't he? Trying Who's that? <laughs> this guy, Guzman. The, the man uh, in the robe. With Do you think? Those on his bed Those on his bed have been called a coked-up Adam and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if that's shot. Wonder, wonder if that made it to Mister Skin. <laughs> <laughs> the, the naked, 
the guy looks like he could be the main guy from the Enforcer, the bad guy. Maybe he is. They didn't recycle yeah. him, did they? Yeah, I was going to say. There's a scene coming up of water on the concrete. Are we about to see it? And I always wondered why did they put that scene in there? Was there a cut scene where someone saw water for print water like a security guard for this this crook so right here was just a nice cinematic touch oh yeah quite strange was there a deleted scene where a security guard saw the marks or was it just mm. oh that looks like that's that's another very harry-esque shot from the oh, first yeah. film's opening credits this um this what do you call it? patrolman's outfit is that um I'm trying to remember, was that was that the Robert Patrick <laughs> Did he have something like that? Or Or am I imagining? I just can't help but think THX one one three eight Trent when you see Yeah, me see me too actually. Guys. With the with the helmet on. Or uh Tackleberry from <laughs> That's a <laughs> yeah, why would there be water so high up in an apartment block? Isn't that a bit worrying? Air conditioning or something. I don't know. Or, or the water when it rained. It just couldn't. Do we see Schlong, Tim? Do we see Schlong? Don't know. No, cut. I don't think so. We probably have one of those socks over it. Is that a fireplace? Isn't that also weird to have in an apartment? Like a functional... Oh, oh check out that blob doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roman statues. Do you think they they live up to the, the Roman ideal? <laughs> that crime scene would look very suspect if you walked in and just saw two naked men. <laughs> <laughs> porn shoot, porn shoot. <laughs> now we're about to see... One of our vigilante cops come across Charlie McCoy. Ooh. In the novelization, it says, you work on motor cops, you develop lousy kidneys. So presumably Charlie was there to have a piss and not, not to grab some coke from his dealer. Do you, would you say that the, uh, I mean, there's a, there's only one scene with Charlie prior to this, isn't there? Yeah, you hear about him with the wife. Yeah, that's right, but it's um, it's not much character development. There's a little more development in the novel. You find out he has a stripper girlfriend called Lotta Bliss. <laughs> so this was released in December. 73, so pretty much December 25th, so it was almost exactly two years after the first one yeah. came out. Yep, same with shooting, began in April 73, yeah. just like Harry and 81. There was a telling scene there of Davis um, with his handkerchief, finally revealed who the vigilante killers are, or at least one of them. And uh, Davis too, will later, sorry, Holbrook later in the movie, Briggs has a, a handkerchief he's always using. Now the uh, the office looks a bit different from the mm. first film. 
brighter, more sort of ambient light. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our focus, out of a lot of out of focus shots here with Briggs. I wonder if this we noticed at the start when Briggs was introduced, the focus puller was failing a lot. Maybe he found him too repulsive. <laughs> Maybe he's too attracted to him, and he was staring um, not through the piece. Look at all of these in-one shots of him. <laughs> all of them are out of focus of Briggs. Look. Yeah, isn't that bizarre? Because it seems to be just him. You mentioned Frank Stanley, the cinematographer, Tim, in the past did a few mid-70s movies with Eastwood, but I see he also did Corvette Summer, 10, and a movie I want to see called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. It also features Avery from this movie, the the character that's not quite Chief, not quite Bressler. For one moment there, Briggs, Tim looks so legitimately worried, like, fuck, Harry knows. Like, Harry knows it's a cop. And then, pause, 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 Charlie McCoy. And Briggs thinks, oh, fuck, phew. <laughs> he hasn't quite figured it out yet. Such a contrast to the first movie. Briggs is always saying, don't worry, man, I'll have a warrant for him, you know, he's all yours. Everything's handed to him on a platter. But of course we know Harry's a hunter and he doesn't want... He has to hunt for his uh, his criminals. He doesn't want them all yeah. laid out for him. What's the catch? Do you think uh, Harry... Do you think Harry gets along better with Bressler than Briggs? Well, familiarity breeds contempt and we thought maybe if he rose <laughs> up the ranks with Bressler, he'd sort of always resent that he'd been promoted above him. So maybe... I don't know. <laughs> In the novel, um, they had this scene, at an obligatory funeral scene, rather than an airport dispatch of the body scene. So this is quite a bit different than the cliche, I think. In the novel, after this scene, they um, Davis and Harry both go to a bowling alley to get cigarettes because Harry smokes in that one. And there's a scene where they, where Davis and him chase a criminal they see, and uh, Davis ends up beating him senselessly, you know, beating him up until he's almost about to die. And Davis turns around and says to the crowd, "How long will you be indifferent?" And that's when um, Harry really starts to think, geez, there's something wrong with this this Davis guy's a bit <laughs> out of control. And so the next day he goes to the police journal to do some research and finds out, I think, that uh, Davis was in Vietnam and uh, dobbed in his soldiers for smoking marijuana or something. Yeah, right. Some very corny dialogue, yeah. I'm glad you didn't say it. You, you, what I thought might have happened. There might have been some connection to the Scorpio. <laughs> They serve together or some shit like that. (laughs) Multiverse. Look at that tie that Harry's got on. I don't think you would see that. Do you think he's he's part of the Illuminati, Tim? (laughs) What do those symbols mean? How 
weird is this? Look, they're just walking behind a jet. Behind a jet boat. <laughs> <laughs> to Giorgio. Now, guys, in my research of these shooting scenes in movies, apparently they're now known as Hogan's Alley. Yeah. After a Nintendo game or something. That's right. It was a Nintendo game. Oh, really? Along with Duck Hunt, which used the gun. I thought they looked familiar. (laughs) I'm not sure if Police Academy has a full one, you know, where Sweet Chuck goes to kick down the door, if they have like a full scene like this, but there's definitely one in Heartbreak Ridge and Pink Cadillac. A few of these scenes pop up in Eastwood movies. I'm pretty sure there, there is one in Police Academy. One of them. One of them, anyway. At this, uh, yeah, the actual shooting gallery. I mean, they've got the practice thing outdoors in the first police academy, but I think that's it. In the novel, we find out that Harry has won every competition since nineteen ninety. So, since nineteen sixty-five, except for the year nineteen sixty-seven when he couldn't eat, enter the competition because some hippie freak had stabbed him when he was patrolling Haight-Ashbury. <laughs> and usually Charlie McCoy, rest in peace, always comes in at second place. <laughs> Look at the Giorgio's outfit. That's um, Sunday casual. <laughs> Knitted goods. Tim Thomason there. <laughs> Matheson? Is that Matheson or Thomason? Oh, yeah, it's Matheson. It's not Future Cop, sorry. That's Thomason. <laughs> <laughs> Matheson, he was in um, Animal House. Uh, it was a terrible film directed by Gwyneth Paltrow's dad, Bruce Paltrow, called A Little Sex. And he's the star of that with Kate Capshaw. That's all I remember him from. <laughs> You've probably got better memory of him than... <laughs> so I'm just looking up Hogan's Alley because I know the, the game, but I thought even the game, um, that name was taken from something else. There's also a scene in Pink Cadillac. I don't, I'm sure all of you have seen that oh, uh, yeah. Eastwood movie. <laughs> Pink Cadillac Minute is my side project. <laughs> there's, a model, there's a whole model little model range little city and it's these bunch of like redneck tea party type uh, survivalist freaks. Anyway, um, there's a wink to Clint and this scene perhaps where... Anyway, so um, there's a line where some of the character goes, you know what's worse than a screw-ups with the 44? And Clint, Clint does a little wink. Very lame joke from a lame-ass movie. This... um. This sort of cheap-looking set reminds me of the Warner Brothers back lot. Yeah. Like a more poor version of it. Yeah. But also, also the um, movie world Dirty Harry bar. <laughs> 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 Which was a very cheap-looking set also. Good luck, sir. He's still ref- deferring to Harry. Is this um, David Soul's first sort of high-profile role? I don't know. 
what do the actors were who uh, modelled for those cardboard cutouts were? <laughs> <laughs> Look how different Harry is. Like, Davis was, you know, a bundle of energy, you know, jumping around, and Harry's just taking everything slower. You know, the way Harry... The way Harry shoots his magnum, like, I understand... It's a powerful gun, but it doesn't look very graceful. Mm. Good guy. He shot a good guy. Probably the second best line in the movie. He has a red in his T-shirt. Remember we were talking about the, the, the vibrant red everywhere in this film? Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. And his it's casual sort of, sort of gear as well. Yeah. Which they never uh, really showed in the first film. It's all that intense, intense color as well. It's not sort of any of them are half-assed. They're all that consistently the same tone. Yeah, like it's not like a white t-shirt with a blue mm. jacket. Yeah. Look how big those eucalyptus leaves are. <laughs> they are quite big. Yeah. <laughs> they put ours to shame. <laughs> <laughs> There's another interesting line here Davis is about to say, you get used to it. As in, you'll get used to uh, killing vigilantes, Harry, in time. Mm. <laughs> Why did Harry put his jacket on for this for that part, but he had it off for the single shooting? Just notice that. Surely you take wind. your jacket off when you're running around the Hogan's Alley rather than the... Strong winds. Some great Lalo music is playing in the background. Would you have liked to have seen Alice in this scene, Tim? Like maybe Alice is hanging around the uh, shooting gallery alone at night. Loitering. <laughs> this is like the sort of thing Batman would do. <laughs> I wonder if that's the same switchblade that he stabs Scorpio with. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Do you think it's too early in the movie? Is it too late in the movie or too early for Harry to suddenly start thinking it could be Davis and it could be these other motorcycle cops? I don't know. Maybe the last conversation might have um, broke that up. Little bit. But I suppose how long are you going to hide hide it for? Like they've they've already sort of revealed it to the audience, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. God, they mentioned food a lot in this movie. Food gets a big working out. Briggs is. Looking very modern in his outfit. Yeah, I guess so. Certainly a lot better than later sequels will be. <laughs> like, it's still sort of almost 60s here, almost. He's sort of got a pretty conventional hair, like timeless hair style as well, yeah, compared to right. most of the others. Food again. Yeah, food again. Do you think this bird's eye shot is just intentionally to give us a bit of claustrophobia or legitimately it's just a small room and it's hard to fit mm. two men in it. Quite effective, I think. Yeah, it looks like a real location, that one. 
I mean, it would take a lot to mock that up, wouldn't it? Yeah. And maybe it gives you a good perspective of all the the little um, gadgets and things that are in this room. You think Q would like this room? <laughs> maybe. Do you think it's supposed to symbolise how a, how claustrophobic a bullet feels in a in a gun? <laughs> <laughs> now we keep on hearing that after the Dirty Harry movies, sales of forty four handguns went through the roof, and uh, I haven't really been able to, fo- to verify that anywhere. <laughs> Particularly in America, I think for a long time you weren't allowed to keep records, were you? Or well, that's what the Republic, the, the IRA, don't, I mean, the IRA, the, uh, what's the one? NRA doesn't want. Now, Briggs must know Harry's pretty persistent because um, he's already told him at the morgue, remember the morgue scene? He goes, you're wasting your time, you're not, you'll never find anything from these slugs. And here is Harry still with the idea that... Uh, it's a cop. But yet he doesn't suspect Briggs yet, does he? No. He still doesn't no. suspect Briggs. He just thinks Briggs hates his guts. <laughs> Both can be true. He, <laughs> he hates him, but he wants him to be a vigilante. Oh, finally, a shot of Briggs that isn't out of focus. Good to see Harry doing some forensics, some real police work in this movie, Tim. Like I said, it's like Batman. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most fascist line of the whole series, though. Nothing wrong with people being shot, as long as it's the right people. (laughs) It's like his uh, shoot the bastard line. (laughs) The, um, it's interesting that they uh, they don't really play up the partner relationship um, the same way they did in the first one. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, you're right. In fact, they they almost get along. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about the director Ted Post Trent in this movie. I think we touched on him earlier. Um, Basically a TV guy mostly, had a bit of a working relationship with Clint already. Um, But during the movie, um, Clint became dissatisfied with how he was taking things on board. He was taking too long. And it's sort of gone down in history that the stunt coordinator and him, Buddy Van Horn, his stunt double, um, took over a lot of the uh, action scenes. And also, they reckon put Clint too much in the forefront of the movie. But I don't know. I don't know. This would have been, uh, just looking at his filmography of films and television, I mean, he was primarily a TV guy even even after this film. Um, but you have a look at the ones he did afterwards. He did two other films that came out in 1973, The Harrod Experiment, and the baby, I don't know what the baby is, but the Harrod experiment, I think, had um, uh, what's her name, Melanie Griffith, in it, if I'm not mistaken. No, Tippy Hedren, her mum. Sorry. Um, the baby. Jeez, oh, I don't know who any of those people are. 
But, yeah, I mean, he directed episodes of uh, Beyond Westworld, which was the original Westworld television series, episodes of Columbo, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Good Guys Wear Black, one of Chuck Norris's first starring roles in 1978. (laughs) Go Tell the Spartans with uh, Burt Lancaster. Night Kill, which uh, Robert Mitchum, i.e. the sidekick in This Is Brother, the Human Shield, but uh, his last title was came out in '99. But there were, I mean, big gaps. You know, the last three films were ten years apart from each other. Now, Tim Mutton Chops here was one of the was in one of the guys in The Godfather. Um, this Palancio guy, Tony Giorgio, was in Capone. Capone, Paint Your Wagon, Godfather, Harry in Your Pocket, Harry in Your Pocket, whatever that is. And a small role in The Wrecking Crew, the last movie of Sharon Tate. Now, all these men, all these men, Trent, they, I was thinking, they, to me, they look exactly the same as Ricker's men from the start of the movie, just <laughs> identical Italian goons. Yeah. <laughs> Albeit yeah. goons that, that they're, <laughs> I wonder how many Italians of that era would actually eat Chinese food, you know, like... <laughs> Like, hey, what's this toenail shit, you know? What's this cabbage and toenails? <laughs> it's San Francisco. Apologies, Tim. It's just, yeah, I know. Maybe a bit more multicultural than the, the East Coast uh, Italian-Americans. Was this supposed to be a humorous scene, how they didn't answer the phone for a long time, Tim? Uh, it didn't, ta- didn't take it like that. Now, Palancio must know that Ricker was killed by cops or people dressed as cops. That's why they're paranoid. Yeah. Oh, alternate casting for that guy. Was that Palancio? Alternate casting would be Powers Booth from Sudden Death. Yeah, I was thinking that. (laughs) Every so often I keep thinking, oh, Powers Booth. Oh, no, it's not him. (laughs) That's by the director of the Star Chamber, right? (laughs) What's that? Peter Hames or whatever we're talking about the. Uh... Oh yeah, sudden sudden death. Yeah, the sudden death connection. Yeah. Yes. Shit, Powers Booth died. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, semi recently, wasn't it? Yeah. I was just thinking, Briggs doesn't know for sure that Harry's going to die here, does he? He just hopes there's going to yeah, be a so, huge bloodbath. So is it is it Briggs who tips them off, or like I didn't? Yeah, I'm sure it's not Briggs. I'm sure it's like uh, Astra Chan or one of the other rented cops. But like I said, they were. <laughs> it's only because they saw Harry really with his gun that they realised, hang on, these aren't cops. This guy's got a forty-four Magnum. <laughs> if it wasn't for Harry being there, perhaps it would have. It would have gone okay because they would have doubted that it... It was seeing Harry in the silhouette, Harry behind the crates that put them off, wasn't it? (laughs) That ain't no cop's gun. This action's pretty well filmed, Trent, for the... Yeah. You'd think television directors are probably quite good at that because they, you know choreographing suspense and whatever on a pretty limited budget. They got mm. a week to shoot something 
in most cases of a drama, it's you know, 45 to 50 minutes. That's half the duration of a feature film, and they've got a week to do it. So you think they'd be pretty good. As I was re-watching this, I, I did think that they consciously sort of ramped up the action relative to the first film. Yeah. It's probably Buddy Van Horn, not Clint. Now, coming up, not to spoil anything, but there's going to be an impalement scene. (laughs) (laughs) In the novel, they don't have any of this car bit, but they do have a scene where Harry gets sprayed with milk from milk cartons and spaghetti strands fall around his face. But um, I think they just run up and down the Embarcadero before he kills them, just shoots them in the side. Nothing as cool as this. No corny one-liner. No. They'd run out of budget for the script. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the same Doctor from the first film. No, it's not Steve. Dr. Steve was one of the crew in the original cast. Sorry, the original crew that stepped in for Dr. Steve in the first movie. I think this guy in the novel is called Dr. Rogers, although we're going to hear a different name coming up. And the... Rogers, yeah. Here's a fun fact, guys. Did you notice he's actually wearing brown gloves? Have a check. Is he wearing brown gloves or is it just his natural skin tone? Oh, it does look... Yeah, it's a weird... They look like gloves. Yeah. need to get brown. That colour, is it? <laughs> um, yeah, don't know. <laughs> this guy in the brown suit... Who's this guy in the brown suit? Is he the uh, the mayor? Avery. No, no, we found out he's below the mayor, but above Briggs. So he's sort of like... The equivalent, it's confusing. The Very equivalent confusing. of the mayor from the first film. All you need to know, Ian, he was, a, he was in a movie called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> But, Tim, yeah, we just had a great Freudian slip you missed there from Briggs, where he goes, it's better than you know, 10 innocent people be free. You know that line? He butchers it. <laughs> oh, I missed that. To... People are guilty until proven innocent, he says. Instead oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're drinking beer every time there's an out-of-focus shot, maybe have a few sips. Do you think... Harry's serious when he says after 200 arrests like is that is that his real record at this point in his career I thought he'd just shoot the bolt shoot the bastard that was his policy <laughs> so he, so he tends to kill them <laughs> he counts the kills as arrests because he arrested them he stopped them eating again food you got it in the novel, he goes, give me the bullet. And he goes, no. And he goes, you're under arrest. And then he says, eat it. Another cryptic line, he goes, Briggs just said to him, if I have my way, you won't make an arrest as long as you live. A cryptic way of saying, no, you won't be arresting people. You'll be, you'll be killing them as my vigilante. And yet I still think Harry hasn't figured out Briggs is involved. Yeah, I think he's clueless until the end. 
Why have they just come out of a beer and wine place, but they haven't bought anything, <laughs> Tim? Uh, that's a good question. What a collar he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the tie, the fro. They have some good colour coordination going there. This looks like the neighbourhood in The Enforcer when uh, you see Big Ed Mustafa is released and they're in the, the playground talking to each other. Big Ed Mustafa. Maybe it's in Fillmore District or the Tenderloin. I don't know. I had a what? colleague who used to make reference to Big Ed Mustafa all the fucking time. I don't know why. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Why does he not give the bullet to Briggs? Well, that's it. If he if he still doesn't know Briggs is in on it, then why wouldn't you? Because he tell he ends up telling he tells early give give the bullet to Briggs <laughs> if if something happens to him. Oh yeah, he's just said that now. Yeah, that just it doesn't make sense. I can only think, Tim, that there's still a policeman's pride in like not accusing another cop unless you're absolutely certain. Do you think it's something to do with that? Like he still wants yeah. 100% evidence before or, you, you tell a brother off? Or, or he still needs to do something with that bullet, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Well, eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've mentioned the Brazilian uh, death squads. Um, I didn't look too much into that, but there obviously was a military dictatorship in Brazil in the 60s to the early 80s. Um, so it, it already was a... F- sort of fascist regime anyway, authoritarian regime, and they just had a whole bunch of right-wing cops that went out and killed people, which seems unnecessary when you already have a draconian state that criminalises people. <laughs> anyway. But that was part of the original vigilant script by Terence Malick. Nice shot of Alcatraz in the background there. Some boobage. Remember... uh Clint wanted to cast uh, Lucy Liu as uh, Harry's girlfriend in the video game. Is that right? Really? Mm-hmm. Look, uh, she's just asked him to get beers. He's just come from a beer and spirits place, Tim. Why didn't he pick some up there? <laughs> Don't mix business and pleasure. Now, everyone pay attention to this. This is something that I've never really picked up before. But look where he's driving. Look what would be in front of him. And look how he steps out of the car and has suddenly failed to recognise the people that he would have seen driving in for like a full five seconds. Look how close it is. <laughs> it must have been only like the last few years I actually picked that up. But... Hollywood magic. It's Hollywood magic. <laughs> Great military paradiddles, some military drum drum music. Now, do uh, do cops with these helmets and bikes uh, looking like this? Does that remind you of a Lego policeman from the eighties? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of those. Oh wait, in the nineties they gave them uh, sunglasses. I think so. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a nineties Lego policeman.
I love the music here, Trent. So good. And I love how Eastwood, um, when we see him in the next few shots, he's just, he's dominating the silence, just shutting up. What's he going to say? He's not intimidated. He's just taking on board what they're saying. Is this them basically making a pitch to him? Yeah. <laughs> Once again in the novelization, he, oh god, he goes, "I'm afraid you've misjudged me, punk." <laughs> <laughs> Once again everyone um said, "Oh, maybe Clint's Clint is addressing the critics here. You've misjudged me. I'm not a fascist asshole." Scorpio was just a, you know, a special case. I'll never do that again. So quaint seeing mailboxes, I think, for a lot of people. A lot of people under the age of 20, Tim, Trent. <laughs> yeah. A mailbox. Hmm. Well, you could get your Amazon deliveries somewhere. You could have a parcel locker. So at this point, he's spotted the bomb in there, yeah? Yeah. Now, the, the normal, the, the first movie would have ended about now. You look at the clock and you think it's 100 minutes or whatever. Oh, true. I'm going to wrap this up true. Wrap this up pretty soon. <laughs> you know, those cops must have not been confident that Harry would join them because otherwise there wouldn't be three of them there, would there? Or maybe strength in numbers. I love these glimpses of Harry's apartment. I'm still surprised he'd have an he'd have an abstract painting there. See on the <laughs> maybe it was a gift, a gift, yeah, <laughs> from his girlfriend or <laughs> Bernice, his dead wife. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she dabbled in watercolors. Or <laughs> it's 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 interesting that they consciously make an effort to show more of Harry's home life in this this one. Yeah. It's the only time they do in any movie, really. A neighbour totally oblivious to a... Go on. <laughs> you pause the movie there. Her, the beer she had is called Olympic Bear. Some oranges and bagels. Ned Flanders appears. This actor, Drew Eshelman, I think was a community actor around the area. He'll be the last new actor we see in the in the movie. <laughs> it's it's really just a comedic role, isn't it? Hmm. In the novel it's like a heavy set you know, heavy set bodybuilder type, not sort of a in a feet gay guy. <laughs> He's just got that one line. A bar? <laughs> the best line in the movie. <laughs> Are you happy, Tim, that uh, your average cop out of the academy would know how to design bombs? <laughs> A bar? 
Oh, Drew Eshelman, you're on Facebook. Please respond to our interview <laughs> requests. How old would he be now, do you think? Oh, mid, early 70s, mid 70s? I, I think he's pretty. He's still in his tw- late 20s here. I don't, Is yeah, he? Really? I pr- yeah. Harry doesn't have time to watch TV, Trent. What's that? He's got a TV. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. What are those books he's reading? Oh, this is kind of like a... Is it, do you call it a loft? His his door just opens to a bed... Studio apartment, I guess is what you Studio call it. Studio apartment, yeah. This is some of the most emasculating acting Clint's ever had to do. Look, he's trying to look <laughs> tense and he's just like, come on, answer the phone. Probably some pretty lame... <laughs> Got nothing to bounce off or stare at. He's just, come on. If only they had cell phones back then. I was saying off air, Tim, that, you know, three quarters of the way through the movie and Harry's just remembered, oh, yeah, I've got a partner. <laughs> <laughs> a partner that he likes. <laughs> oh, shit. It's 27. Sorry. 27, pretty young. The guy on the stairs. Yeah. Tim, if they... Oh, I've forgotten. No, it's... Um, if he had have joined them as vigilantes, would they have still had to have let Early die? Would they have had enough time to race over to Early's apartment and tell him don't open the... <laughs> or are they secretly racist and they, they'd never let Early on their team? <laughs> Quite possibly. Only white vigilantes, please. Oh, the novelization was fun. Um, Erli became for an instant a red blur in a terrible burst of concrete, steel, and glass. Then he spun to the ground dead with a half-eaten celery still in his hand. Oh, they kept the celery (laughs) in the novelization. It just occurred to me that you you don't actually find out, or you don't see Harry finding out that Early's been uh, bombed. No, I'm sure that'll come up the next day, but yeah, you don't in the movie. That's right. And still, he's not surprised. Or why did Briggs ask me where I am? Why? Did- yeah, why does Briggs come? What's why does he expect? What does he expect Briggs to do? Come take him to a safe house or something? Or very emasculating now that unbelievable even that he'd uh, want Briggs's help. Or like, oh no, I've got to. Briggs has got to take care of me. But then again, at the hundred minute mark, maybe you're a bit fatigued. And you think, yeah, whatever. More striking colours, his car. Mm. Yeah, the colours are so noticeable in this. It's um yeah. it's great. 
you saw the uh, the VW Beatles that went past again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks like Harry already had the key to Briggs's car. He didn't. He just got in straight away and turned it on. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those button ignitions. Now, if you guys look in the background, uh, there's a continuity area. They're just going up and down the street at the same time. You'll see a gas station in America. I guess they've got these gas stations called 76. They go past it a few times. Union 76, yeah. Ah, oh, cool. There we go. Yeah, there. That little Art Deco uh, building that go past. Imagine taking that shot of Holbrook looking at Eastwood then in silence out of context. <laughs> Look at them gazing at him lovingly. <laughs> well, then again, they've all got these, these handkerchief. It's a bit of a dandy, a dandyish thing to have. So unhygienic. How does Briggs know he has three clips? <laughs> Anyway, Harry just chucks that too, I think. Some great lines, Trent, of Hal Holbrook in the Star Chamber too. He's complaining to Michael Douglas, you know, why don't you do something about it? Somebody's somebody's kidnapped justice and hidden it in the law. Speaking of lynching, apparently, vigilante action, apparently the last lynching in California was in 1947, and it took place in a town called Callahan. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find it believable, Trent, that a a career desk man like Briggs would be driven to be involved with all this vigilante business? Yeah, probably bored. But uh, was was he always a desk man? Maybe not. He would have been detective at some point. I mean, and then probably uniform prior to that. Maybe he wants to get back in touch with a little adventure. <laughs> <laughs> he liked how Harry had taken out Scorpio three months ago and said, "You know, we can't have Cal- we can't have a publicly known officer do this. Let's get these young guys straight out of the academy." ex-military even better they'll take orders and then make a motor cops so you can they can do all this killing uh, on roadsides abandoned roadsides and I'm you know I'm the king of ballistics I can make it happen but Harry's Harry says there's a line I'm not going to cross over that line again this could be taken out of context seeing Briggs, Briggs's head go up and down in the. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is your next YouTube project, John. <laughs> It'll ri- it definitely rivals the scene of Harry puffing on the tram, the ransom relay. <laughs> Give me a blow, John. <sighs> Uh-uh. <laughs> 
all seventies movies had to have a car chase, Trent. Mm. But Milius apparently didn't like this. This chase here. Yeah, he didn't want one. He thought it was too cliched, even for the early seventies. It is a bit like I like I said. It sort of stands out. I mean, as different to the first film, where they're just obvious, like clearly ramped up the action. I like that the start of the chase, you could see the Griswold family truckster from National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation Park there with its fake wood panelling and all that. In the novelisation, there's a drawbridge scene. You know, the, the cliche where, oh no, are they both going to make it as the drawbridge is being pulled up? Does one of the cops not make it in the novelisation across the bridge? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I think we just saw a, hub, a hubcap fall off. Pretty fun. <laughs> we'll soon see. Is he going to go through a whole lot of meat? No, not meat, but... Um... <laughs> Do you think the producers, as they were discussing about how much more action they could include, were adamant that they follow Blue uh, Bullet and add in this car chase? <laughs> Yeah. Just do the bullet thing. Just do a few minutes of bullet. Now, do you think it's a bit... Oh, oh there is a... There's a drawbridge. Uh, oh, yes, I forgot. but it's, oh, no. not, it's not going oh, no, up. No. <laughs> Zip. Speaking of gay subtext, do you think Briggs calls his boys Magnum Forth? <laughs> okay, boys, I'm going to call you Magnum Forth. <laughs> Maybe. Um, by the way, that street is called Vermont Street in Potrero Hill. Oh, that's, that's where Potrero Harry grew up, Doctor Steve. John, do you find it a bit derivative? Oh, what do, do you find it a bit? Do you find it a bit derivative that they've come back like like the first film? It sort of ends up in this abandoned site. Exactly. But, I mean, it, it created the cliches in a lot of ways, didn't it? So it's just ape, it's, aping itself. Yeah. Aping itself? The snake eating the snake? Harry's finally realised he's got the more powerful vehicle. <laughs> oh, and some blood on the tank there. This looks pretty cool. Squelching. Very sexy These guys are like LaFours from uh, Sundance. And what do you call it? The Sundance Kid. I really want to find my Tackleberry figurine now. <laughs> now we're about to come up to an abandoned aircraft carrier. There are three airplane-related things in the movie. There's the airplane skyjacking. Two, there's... Koi's body being shipped home with the widow. And three, there's the aircraft carrier, but no aircraft. Once again, Clint doesn't really run very well. He doesn't look <laughs> sympathetic. Don't you think? I suppose he's just tall and that's how it looks. But It's the big magnum in his pocket weighing him down. Well, no, there's no magnum. Remember, he had to... It's in the back of his car with no bullets in it. Oh, you're talking about that Magnum. 
<laughs> because the whole point is we've been sort of shown that, you know, Harry probably is their equal in markmanship. He can't really compete against Davis at least, so there's no real reuse in him having the gun. You may recall, Tim, that uh, blood work also ends on an abandoned ship as well. I don't recall much about that film, other than uh, the part where um, he gets a bit of action, and I remember you turned to me and said, "I bet he wrote that. He wrote that in for himself." <laughs> yeah, seventy-two-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys? There's a is it either a police squad sketch or a naked gun sketch where he's in a abandoned warehouse and there's like a the jazz band's playing the soundtrack as he walks past them or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> these days, one of these boats would probably be like a secret rave or something. Yeah, probably. So every day you find a abandoned aircraft carrier. Not many um, dark scenes in this film, so it's uh, yeah, yeah, contrast. It's bright sunlight, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Pew, pew, pew. It's a bit like um, the end of the French Connection. Yeah, it is a little bit. That cop has a bit of a Tackleberry expression on him, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so I said who Tackleberry's lookalike is. Who? What? Who? Robert Palmer. The singer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon he fucking looks like Robert Palmer? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I wonder. Um, I don't. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but it's yeah, interesting that it's a group of four. Like they made the villains a group of four. Why villains come best in threes? <laughs> oh no, just there's not much characterization um, no. for any individual. It's just a group. Do you think they just decided on it because there's four? Vigilante killings, maybe. Uh, so theory, at least maybe. we know. We know that one of them is supposed to have done each one. But you're right. There's no development on any of them, really. I mean, there's a little bit with David Soul during that shooting contest, but I don't know. You don't really feel much menace from them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <gasps> In you, fact, they're just disposable there's, there's characters. Very light, there's in, pretty much. No characterization in the whole film other than maybe Briggs no. and Harry. This is the first time Harry's really used his fists. So karate chopping the uh Ooh. Yeah. Is that judo, Tim? Yeah, maybe. This is the second time in the movie he's uh used some sort of martial arts with the sky jacket. Remember the in the the cockpit of the plane he sort of used uh, some chopping motion or was it the 
some piece of wood against the skyjacker. So that must be his new policy, Tim. Well, maybe Warner Brothers had a, a plan for uh, producing a, a line of Dirty Harry action figures and they would in- have a, a little <laughs> chop <laughs> action. <laughs> Exercise the chop, the chop manoeuvre. God, what have they done to you? Would have been better, Tim, if he went, if he wasn't quite dead yet, and said, Avenge me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cool shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A vibrant blue in the sky. John, you um, uh, from all your readings of Clint, does he like to do his own stunts? As much as he can, but he's spent his whole first twenty years of his acting career as a stunt after stardom using using Buddy Van Horn as his stunt man right. or stunt double, Buddy Van Horn. But I think yeah, like he does like to use his own scenes where possible. But these guys are boner cops, Trent. Like, does Harry really think he's going to outskill them? Like, that's their, that's their bread and butter. Yeah. Man doesn't know his limitations. Do you think how how much risk do you think there was if Clint was really on this bike that he might go over the edge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it ends in the novelization, but I got one quote was a standoff off and he goes now what you're probably thinking davis is does he have a gun or not but it really doesn't matter to me because i have it in my mind to beat you to death anyway so what you have to ask yourself is are you feeling brave punk terrible that would that kill someone tim necessarily yeah i don't know that 100 percent kill someone it's um it's a pretty lame way to defeat the bad guy. Is it worse than a harpoon gun, Trent? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. This um, in this movie, the the weather in San Fran looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks so good. Yeah, considering it's spring, it's not even summer. But you know, it's still going to be windy anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's annoying but, thing. Ple- yeah. but pleasant enough <laughs> pleasant for us Melbourneites. So I like the idea of that that they, you know, it, it's smart that they sort of, the bomb is the thing that, that uh, defeats Briggs, but the whole um, I'm going to leave you and, and, and arrest you with your own methods is, uh, <laughs> is pretty silly. You don't think it's, you reckon? 
He goes, you know, with your record, I can make anything stick. Wouldn't he just be better off? Oh, well, he's got limitations, doesn't he? Doesn't doesn't want to shoot Callahan. So you think he's just like a stupid Bond villain in the end? Well, it just sort of <laughs> just comes where you have the chance. It does come across that way to me. That, uh, but then yeah, he's got he's got limitations, John. So <laughs> still using that damn handkerchief right to the end. Once again, we mentioned earlier, in the, uh, I mentioned earlier, the last line in the movie, Harry, in the novel is, I never use my gun once after the bomb blows up. Which I still think would have been a better line than limitations, which you'll soon hear. Now, we never really discussed it, but do you think a film with this theme could be made today? Given the... Uh the police brutality mm. in the, the US. <laughs> like, it's a very, <laughs> very topical uh, um, plot. Yeah, probably not. I mean, has there been anything about, like, a fictionalised version of the Rodney King um, saga? Or, yeah, the uh, that sort of brutality? No, I, I don't think... Well, I'm not aware of one. Yeah. I mean, it plays a, a backdrop in, in, you know, things like in, in some movies and yeah. TV shows, but nothing direct. Do you think Harry's off back to see Sonny now, uh, Tim? <laughs> well, he still doesn't... Has he kept it warm for her? He still doesn't know Early's dead. <laughs> a great resurrection of the... Uh... Of the Harry's theme, I think I still prefer it in the first movie, but a nice little Lalo riff on that uh, original Harry's theme here. Very nice. Keeps his badge in this one. We have Callahan with one L. Sometimes it's two L's, sometimes it's one. Oh, that's we interesting. We were just talking before about all the cops being anonymous, really, except for Davis. And yet they're listed above Felton Perry in the credits. Yeah, another another example of baffling crediting back then. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not claiming race, um, uh, racial considerations, but you never know. I just wonder if perhaps uh, you know. I mean, three main actors of those four all went on to do a lot of other things. You wonder if they already kind of had names out there as pissy guest spots in television, perhaps over uh, Felton. Maybe and that's a possibility. Yeah, fair enough. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> 